Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy. You know, it really is a good thing that we don't hit record until after we've done our like check in with one another because yeah. it's, been, it's been an hour. <laughs> we yeah, just recording. <laughs> oh, goodness. I feel like cut through so much. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yep. I mean, you do what you got to do sometimes. So it's true. I mean, but it was very entertaining. Our catch ups are very, very entertaining. <laughs> so good. I very much enjoy them personally. So, well, we did. Our first book club episode last we week. Did. So good. Oh my god. It goodness. was so much fun. Yes. And it went over so much better than expected. Amen to that. Yeah, I was so I was so nervous leading up to it. And then I walked away feeling like brilliance. Yeah. So. It was incredible. That was lovely. It was one of the episodes that I actually listened to after editing it. Oh, yeah. Like in entirety. <laughs> Usually after I've edited an episode, I'm like, I'm done with you. I never want to hear you again. You're dead but that to one, me. I actually did listen to again yeah. after editing and after we had like published it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to listen to it because yes. it was it's so, so good. good. And not because of anything you or I said. It was so good because Blair was there. So, <laughs> yes, Blair was absolutely amazing. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I didn't think it happened, but she was there. They joined us. I know. Miracles happen, man. Again, another example of what happens when Kaylee is like, let's just ask and see what happens. Because I am the person that's like, no, no, we shouldn't bother them. And Kaylee's like, no, let's ask. What's the worst they can say? No, let's just ask. Literally, that's how we've gotten all of our guesses. Kaylee's like, let's just ask. <laughs> Which is really funny because I don't do that in my own life. <laughs> I'll be like, no, I can't bother anybody. <laughs> Before this podcast, I will do anything. <laughs> Which is also funny in and itself, seeing as we're just like, yeah, we're just doing this for fun. We don't make any money from this. We're just, it, it means nothing, but it means everything and it means a little something, yeah. you know? Like, I am much bolder with this podcast than I am with some points in my life. I mean, and that's okay. Yeah, I get that. I'm still salty that the Liahona cut my plug for the podcast. Oh my gosh. I'm still yes. salty about that. Because it was no, great. <laughs> yes. Okay, well, we're adding this in. If you guys haven't read the Liahona for April, Tracy has an article in there. You need to read it. Um, my thought process is, is that they were like, oh, she's got a podcast, huh? And then their entire office decided to play an episode. And it was probably one of our craziest <laughs> ones. And they're like, no, no, no. And then it's like too late. We already accepted it. We're just going to cut this out. And we're going to like send this up to leadership because someone has to know what's going on. The episode that they probably saw first was like our abortion one or like the tattoo no, one. No. And they were like, absolutely Ooh. not. We will not be endorsing nope. this podcast. Like it's too late. We've already accepted her. We'll just not include that. I am a little hurt, but I'm not super surprised. So I will <laughs> yes, say that. Again, we said like at the end of last season that if we aren't on a church watch list, then we're not doing our job right. So hopefully we are now on a watch list. We're on more watch lists because everyone has their own. I sure hope so. so. <laughs> 
the church leadership and then like different parts of the leadership and then Deseret and then the Leahona, like they all have their own watch list. And it's our job, our duty to get on each and every single one of them. <laughs> so. Oh gosh, can you imagine like we get a cease and desist letter from the church? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh, I would look at it, laugh at it and throw it in the trash. <laughs> That would be the topic of our next episode. <laughs> and I would be like, clearly really? they nothing. I'm like, you really feel threatened by a podcast that makes literally zero dollars? By two women? Come on. If anything, we're losing money on this podcast because <laughs> the money true. that I spend on our Zoom account alone oh, yeah, for the is website, putting us in the red. Yes, we are we're totally in the red. That's $100, okay, per year. <laughs> <laughs> you're Gosh. threatened by a podcast that's literally going through bankruptcy <laughs> no way oh it would just be it'd be our first video episode and we're just laughing at it and we're reading it aloud and laughing. we're just crying the whole time because we can't stop laughing we're like wow We know what scares old white men. (laughs) Two women who talk a lot and lose money on a podcast. Literally can't shut up. (laughs) And have super empty pockets. Good. (laughs) Oh, gosh. Oh, that'd be so funny. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I almost want that to happen because it'd just be so funny. Same. And then I would probably, like, write a letter to one of the men in the quorum of the 15 and I'd be like would you like to appear on this episode and just tell us why you're so threatened by us because we would really love to know oh I would write to every single one of them I get more on the red with all my stamps I don't care I'd be like I need to know I need you to talk to us just send us something get online we'll do it so be so funny oh my gosh progressive yep, yeah. mormon twitter would yes. love it we would finally go viral and finally. make like ten dollars so that yes. we'd finally be like <laughs> less so- in the red but we would take that and go buy milkshakes or something so or pay for a month of zoom <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> oh my gosh oh, that'd be great. That'd be so good goodness oh gosh so anyways um (laughs) oh that was in our episode (laughs) and we're done for the day um all right anyways (laughs) that kind of is like a good segue into um the episode we don't have any corrections corners from the last two episodes nobody's told us anything and we don't really have anything either for ourselves but we hope that everyone has enjoyed their conference weekend, whether they listened or not. We are recording this a couple days right before general conference, so we don't know what happened yet. We hope it's good. We're going to regret that. We can do this. Okay. If it went well, things were great, and I felt spiritually edified. If it went badly, wow, I can't believe they said those things. And we'll talk more about it next week in our next episode of our general conference review. Yes, as you know, we always do our general conference reviews a little bit later so that we have more time to study the talks, to complain if we need to, and to enjoy it however we need to. We will have that coming your way soon. Yeah. So 
In the meantime, and as a little preparation for the Easter season, which is actually like three weeks away still, mm-hmm. it feels like it gets later every year. Um, we wanted to dive into the exciting topic of the many names of Jesus Christ. Yeah. If it helps, we will not be just listing them all off for the entirety of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> that would <laughs> I'll just be like we're gonna do a dramatic reading of every name Emmanuel Jesus yes. <laughs> then the episode Beautiful. just cuts off and ends and that's it <laughs> that's all we do <laughs> that would be really funny now I want to do that if we did a Patreon that's what we would do for our extra episode. <laughs> It just be us listing things off the entire time. <laughs> That's it. That's all you get. I'm crying. I can't. Tracy. I thought we were going to have such a nice and peaceful episode, and clearly we can't even do that. <laughs> You know, it's what I'm really enjoying right now is we are yeah. laughing so hard doing this. Come Wednesday when this episode drops, oh god, the first person who listens to this is going to be like, "What the hell is wrong, wrong with them? Why are they laughing about names of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, on this his Easter season?" <laughs> Well, if they are asking that, then they are clearly listening to the wrong podcast. <laughs> so, first time listeners like... are like, oh, what? the names of Jesus. That sounds like the perfect Easter preparation. And it's just 10 minutes of us laughing <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> I wanted to find a new church podcast for the Easter season. Oh, this episode is perfect. I'm sorry. What am I listening to? It's moments like these where I'm like, did Dialogue really make the right decision in asking <laughs> us to join their network? We will. <laughs> Wednesday night next week, we are going to get a very serious call and be like, we can't do this anymore. We have tried to hold you up and you're dragging us down. Taylor Petrie, if you're listening, I apologize <laughs> for how ridiculous we're being this week. We can't help ourselves. <laughs> It's the way it is. No, you know, if you did that, we'd be like, fair. That's fair. That's we, We're not too surprised. <laughs> we deserve it. would be like, you know what? So, You're right. We were out of line. We were a little ridiculous. We'll try to do better. I think we're doing mighty fine for the podcast that we are. <laughs> are we becoming a little more unhinged every year? I think so. Yes. But honestly, we are embodying the concept of chaotic spirituality very well. We are coming into our true forms. I feel like as time goes by, we just become more and more like that Lisa Simpson meme where she's just sitting back rocking and like laughing to herself. (laughs) I feel like we're just further delving into that as time goes by. Dialogue's going to be the Homer Simpson meme of him (laughs) hiding it, burying himself in the bushes like, no, no, we were never associated with them. What? (laughs) And all the other podcasts are like, I'm in danger. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Goodness. <laughs> We're never gonna get beyond the block oh, on this show now. <laughs> no. 
<laughs> we'll never get anyone again. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's we've had a good run. Yep. 103 episodes. This is where we hit oh our um, breaking point, actually. As we are now <laughs> 13 minutes into recording and we still haven't gone anywhere. <laughs> we <did an> introduction. <laughs> Part of it. We are professionals. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> Pull it together. I gotta, I gotta get serious. <laughs> deep breaths, Tracy. Deep breaths. Guys, we did pray before this. I need you to know. We, we did. did pray before this. And we just fell apart. <laughs> it must have been too short. My bad. Oh, gosh. We are thrilled to be new members of the Dialogue Podcast Network. For those of you who are unfamiliar with Dialogue, Dialogue is a collective of independent and interesting podcasts who promote thoughtful, respectful, and engaging inquiry and discussion into all aspects of the LDS tradition, thought, arts, and culture. You can support our podcast and others in the network by subscribing at dialoguejournal.com. Subscribers receive special benefits like ad-free episodes and bonus content. You can learn more at dialoguejournal.com. So check it out. Okay, back on topic now. Oh gosh. So... We will not just be reading off names of Jesus Christ like Kaylee said. We will be going through the names of Jesus Christ, some of our favorite names that we just kind of found in this list. We're going to talk about the meaning behind these names, why Jesus has so many names, and more information about the many names of Jesus Christ, because we do feel like this is a great way for us to prepare for Easter and to think more about the divine nature of the Savior and how his divine nature is expressed through the multiple names that he has. Exactly. Beautiful. All right. So we will also be, you know, referencing scriptures so that we do have some holiness here. So it would be rather ludicrous for us to do this episode without including one of the most famous scriptures about Jesus Christ that lists a few of his names. Isaiah 9, 6. Everyone knows this. You, you can sing this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So we want to kind of explore as well a little bit more about why Jesus Christ has so many names, why we couldn't just say Jesus Christ over and over and over again in the scriptures, because that would make sense too. We found some fun facts from all over, such as from learnreligions.com. They've got a 2019 article titled, Why Does God Have So Many Names? And so they say that names have been a critical aspect of the human experience throughout history. No surprise there. Our names are one of the elements that define us as individuals, which is probably why we have so many of them. I mean, technically, I feel like we're getting fewer and fewer and fewer of them every, like, kind of generation like we keep especially like in music lately we're getting like people like going by like one syllable names and stuff but anyways so they go on saying like the primary reason why there are so many names for god recorded throughout the scriptures has to do with god's nature and character the bible itself is meant to reveal who god is to show us what he is like and to teach us what he has done throughout history each of god's names in the bible highlights a specific aspect of god's character 
keep it in mind as we go throughout this episode on it's not just that it's fun to give people new names because it definitely is we love our nicknames but there's purpose to why we have so many names and they all have different meanings to them so there's also a really good article from the july 1978 enzyme it is titled names of christ in the book of mormon by susan ward easton So she wrote, I have found that the Savior is referred to by 100 different names, from the first reference to him as Lord in 1 Nephi 1, verse 1, to the final reference of him as the Eternal Judge in Moroni 10, verse 34. Each of the 100 names signifies a different attribute or characteristic of the Lord and was used appropriately to convey the prophet's recognition of who he is and what his mission represents. For example, Savior means that Christ came to save his people from their sins. Holy One signifies that he is holy and without sin, being perfect in all things. God of the whole earth reflects his universal interest in all men and their redemption. Lord of hosts indicates that Christ is a God of battles. And Lord Omnipotent means that Christ is the Lord of all, possessing all power. The names given to our Lord take on new significance when they are approached through a thoughtful and sensitive study of their meanings. His profound character, his singular mission, and his divine relationship to man are thereby more clearly revealed. That point about the names conveying the prophet's recognition of who the Savior is and what his mission represents, I have never thought about it like that. That's actually really enlightening. Right? Um, This is actually a pretty good article in a lot of ways and it got me to thinking as well like, which we can't apply in this one um but i want and it, it makes me want to read the book of mormon and consider who which prophets are calling jesus what things because i think there's been a, there has been talk about how like the god of the whole of like the testaments are different from like the book of mormon and everything like everyone has their own representations and beliefs and versions of who Heavenly Father or Jesus Christ is. And it'd be very interesting to see like who is using kind of what terminology the majority of the time. Because I feel like it'd just be kind of enlightening and very intriguing to learn. Um like, okay, like how does Nephi see Jesus Christ as compared to Mormon or something? Yeah. It just gives a little bit more life to some things. I don't know. Yeah, I like that. But yeah, so it's really cool. And we're gonna be diving into some of this kind of like material. So I'm really excited. Yeah, so we will be referring back to the article again because there's even more information that I want to bring up later. But anyway, so this so far gives us a pretty good taste of what we're discussing here. And as we move forward, one thing we can keep in mind is that there is a difference um, between name and title. So like Wikipedia says that just in the Bible alone, there are 198 different names and titles for Jesus Christ. That is a lot. And that's not counting the other scriptures that we use, like the Book of Mormon, the Pearl of Great Price, Doctrine and Covenants. So we need to keep that in mind as well. Additionally, when it comes to the scriptures, we often combine Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And so sometimes it is hard to signify the difference. Sometimes it's clear, sometimes it isn't, and sometimes it doesn't really matter. So you'll kind of see some cross comparisons here or similarities and So that's okay. We don't get to know everything. We just get to like learn and figure out what we can and just go with it. Interesting. Yeah, I was hoping for a lot more clarity than what I got. So yeah, I don't think that we're ever really going to get that much clarity on it, especially because we know that the Bible has been translated far too many times and then condensed and reduced and all of those other things. So I don't think we're going to get a definitive answer until we die. So exactly. I mean, like I told you, I will need eternity to 
learn everything that I did not learn here because there is so much to learn. And I, at this point, I don't feel like I'm going to have time to create anything. I'm just going to be learning the whole time because to figure out, I need to know who killed the Black Dahlia. I need to know every specification of Jesus Christ and Heavenly Father in the scriptures. There's so much, so much, you guys. Okay, moving on though. We're going to highlight some of the names of Christ and their meanings that we felt particularly drawn to, I guess is the best way to say it. Um, Because there are over 100, like Kaylee already shared, we don't want to literally read every single one of them off. We could, and that could be the end of our episode. (laughs) Um, But we we think we're just going to read like a handful of them and go a little bit deeper into their meanings. Um, There are a few resources you can explore if you want to continue your study of the names of Jesus Christ. The church website, for example, has an article that lists 50 names for Jesus and has like a scripture reference for each of them. So you can start there, but you can also look like anywhere for it. Like Like Deseret. Yeah, Deseret. There's like a couple of articles that we used from like Christianity.org, which we started talking about a couple episodes ago. Like there are lots of ways for you to start looking into the names of Christ and what their meanings are. Yeah. So half half of what I pulled is also from these little postcard things that I got from a printed kit that my mom bought from a church. They're not like with the church, but like fan material, whatever you want to call it. Um, and there's, um, 75 to 80 sheets with different names of Christ connected with the scriptures. And it's like a little like notebook kind of thing for you, um, for you to like write down your thoughts and notes and everything. So that's kind of where I got the idea originally. Cause I grew up having that thing and playing with it and stuff. Like so. baseball cards for Jesus. Yeah. That you could write. Okay. On, so. All right. So <laughs> we're going to start going through a couple that caught our eye or our attention. Um, the first one we're going to share is my personal favorite. It is Redeemer, a scripture that you can look at that that comes from or that references Redeemer is Mosiah chapter 15 verses 9 and 19. And it says, having ascended into heaven, having the bowels of mercy, being filled with compassion towards the children of men standing betwixt them and justice, having broken the bands of death, taken upon himself their iniquity and their transgressions, having redeemed them and satisfied the demands of justice. For were it not for the redemption which he hath made for his people, which was prepared from the foundation of the world, I say unto you, were it not for this, all mankind must have perished. A redeemer means a person who redeems. But what does redeem mean? Redeem means to buy or win back, to free from captivity by way of ransom, to release from blame or debt, to repair or reform, to make good. And that all comes from just Merriam-Webster Dictionary. If we apply this definition to Christ, it means that Christ bought us, freed us from captivity by way of a ransom, released us from blame or debt to God for our sins, and can repair, reform, or make us good. I think I love this name the most of all of the names of Christ because it forces me to think about the atonement and the total package of the atonement and not just the act of the atonement, not just his suffering in Gethsemane. It makes me think of like the pre-mortal existence where Christ 
offered himself as a ransom for our sins so that everyone could return back to the presence of our heavenly parents. It makes me think about how he bore the weight of our sins. It makes me think about the fact that he broke the bonds of death so we could live again. It's all of those things where he paid the price of all of the things that I'm ever going to do and everyone else is ever going to do. He paid that ultimate debt so that we all could be free from the captivity and power of the adversary and have joy in this life and in the next life. And so that's what I always think of when I think of the word redeemer. It's a very good definition. Um, and I love how the how you gave the perspective of like, it's it's more about like how the goodness that comes from all this about the atonement is not just an action that is taken. It is a redemption arc for us. All right, so the next one is mediator. So that's a fun one. You can find it in the verses from Hebrews 9, 15, which reads, And for this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So a mediator is someone who mediates between parties at a variance. Mediating is intervening, bringing an accord by way of action as an intermediary, or interposing between parties in order to reconcile. If we think about this with Christ, Christ is our mediator between us and God who can bring a reconciliation when we sin. The Book of Mormon talks about justice and mercy, specifically how God is a God of justice and Christ is a God of mercy, meaning that without Christ, if we sin, there would be no way for us to make up the difference to be fully cleansed from the sin after repenting. There'd be some amount of suffering and justice we need to satisfy. Christ bore the price of our sins and is able to add mercy to the equation by mediating between us and God. I mean, not only is it good, it also, for some reason, it adds a kind of like a human touch to it. I don't know why, um, but this is personally, at least my perspective, that it kind of showcases another thing that he's doing for us, um, a human trait that he's taking upon him. A mediator to me means patience and love and kindness and communication. And so for Christ to step in and to do that for us, every culture has some form of theology and there's variations of God's. And you can see in a lot of the scriptures that God appears to be an angry person of vengeance and of justice um, and so on. But the one of the things we have in this religion, the one of the things that you have in any Christianity um, denomination where you're Speaking about Christ, you can have this, you can have the mediator um, who is there to lay the groundwork to bring peace between all the wrongs and everything to meet out the goodness that is meant to come for us all in the next life kind of thing. Yeah. If you go like super literal with the mediator definition and you just Google mediator, you'll first get like a bunch of hits for lawyers in Google because lawyers are the like go-between for law, families, and most major conflicts. And if we think about Christ in that sense, and our lives being like on trial during judgment, Christ is our lawyer who is arguing on our behalf. Whereas like a prosecutor might bring up a sin in the court proceeding of our life and Christ will be like, objection, that one was repented of. I move to have it stricken from the record. And then poof, it's gone. And God's like, all right, I see. Like, that's cool. You did it. Like, all right. If you think about it just in that term, like Christ is really the greatest of all lawyers and mediators that we could ever hope for. And he will intercede for us in 
every aspect of our lives, not just in judgment at the end, but like now when we're struggling, when we're in trials, when we're in conflicts, like he's going to intercede and help mediate the situation for us too. Okay, so the next one is the bright and morning star, which I had never really recognized or paid attention to. I mean, you do, when you think about morning star, that was more Lucifer, mm-hmm. isn't that a... Yes, which we'll get to in a second. Okay. Um. So in Revelations 22, verse 16, it says, I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Like you were saying, Kaylee, Satan was also called the morning star before he fell. The name is believed to signify hope, which I found from an article by Randy Alcorn on Christianity.com. He said, quote, It relates to hope and his eminent second coming. When Venus rises, it means that the sun will follow very soon. In a morning, usually within an hour or two, sometimes just as a matter of minutes. Christ's coming, and in a broad sense, this could apply to both his first and his second coming, means or will mean that God's light is about to shine forever on the universe, making all wrongs right, wiping away all tears, and fulfilling Revelations 21 with the creation of the new heavens and the new earth. On a long dark night, the appearance of the morning star means daybreak is imminent. In the long dark night of suffering on earth, Jesus being seen as the morning star means that the eternal morning is about to dawn. Hence, Christ as the morning star is a picture of great promise and hope, end quote. I love the imagery of this one. Like we always talk about Christ as the light, the way, etc. And by thinking about him as that beacon of hope that shines brightly after a long night of darkness and suffering and how it makes everyone feel better and feel like more hopeful and more light and more purposeful. Whenever we think about the second coming, what do we think of first? We think about the crappy things that are going to happen, the destructions, the floods, the rumors of wars, the like, all of those horrible things where we're like, I don't want to experience that. But then we forget that at the end of all of that is the true and everlasting hope that Christ will reign, he will make everything right, he'll remove the pain, he'll remove the anguish, he'll remove the suffering and sadness that we previously endured, and he will be that morning light of joy, peace, and hope. Mm -hmm. That is great. I like that a lot. So the next one is the Good Shepherd. Um, And this one comes from John chapter 10, but specifically in verse 11, where it says, I am the Good Shepherd, the Good Shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. One of the New Testament stories, like the kids, the kids like comic books of the New Testament. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It explains, quote, a shepherd takes care of sheep. He helps them find food and water. He does not let them get hurt or lost. He knows them and loves them and would give his life to save them. Jesus Christ called himself the good shepherd. He is our shepherd. We are his sheep. He loves us. He helps us learn the truth. He teaches us how to live so we can return to Heavenly Father. He gave his life for us, end quote. I thought one important distinction that they provide in the New Testament, in John chapter 10 specifically, is where Christ explains the difference between a hireling and a shepherd. So a shepherd knows their sheep, the sheep know their shepherd's voice, the sheep will follow the shepherd, and they will always be protected by the shepherd. 
A hireling, conversely, is someone who is hired to watch the sheep but doesn't know them. The sheep don't know the hireling, they won't listen to the hireling, and the hireling will abandon them in times of danger. The biggest distinction between the two is their motivation for watching the sheep. So a hireling is just in it for the money and for themselves. They're just there for that paycheck. And then a shepherd is in it for the sheep. Christ, as the good shepherd, knows each of us individually. He'll protect us. He already laid down his life for us, and we know his voice. Everyone has been given the gift of the light of Christ, and anytime you hear spiritual truths, it resonates with you. That's because it's the light of Christ talking to you. So, like, anytime you feel that, like, peace or that comfort from hearing something that's, like, a true, profound spiritual truth, that's Jesus basically talking to you. So, everyone can hear that and knows Christ's voice. Christ was not here for the benefit of himself or the glory of himself. He was here and sacrificed himself for us because he loves us and because he wants us to have eternal life and eternal joy with our heavenly parents. So Christ is the good shepherd. He will always lead us back to our heavenly parents. He'll always protect us and make sure that we're taken care of. And all we need to do is follow him. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I love the good shepherd. I love um, that comparison as well. That always has stuck with me um, and is very powerful because it's not that he's just doing his job. It's that he's taking care of us in whatever way he can. It adds on a little extra meaning um, and a little extra depth. And especially like the story of the, the lost. The lost sheep. Yeah. The lost sheep. Okay. I wasn't, I couldn't remember what it was called. But yeah. That's like, that's become one of my favorite stories because no matter what we do, whether we are following him or whether we end up getting lost or trip and stumble, he's going to be there to kind of help us out and he'll bring us back to the others if that's what we want. All right, so there's two other ones that I want to include that I thought were very fascinating that have kind of just stuck with me for different reasons. So one is the branch. He's a branch. So it's referenced in Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 5, where it says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. I think it stands out in its own way because it's just very different. So, I mean, we do reference olive trees a lot throughout the scriptures because that was very relevant. It was a useful comparison at the time um, throughout all of the scriptures with Christ's life. So here, this this example represents Christ as a branch or as an olive branch, if you want to put it that way, that is reaching out to us. And I just really like that one because he is reaching out and he's forever becoming more than what he is. Um, Growth is eternal. And similarly, trees typically have more than one branch. So Christ is not the only one. Ultimately, we all have that opportunity to grow and we can be a branch to others reaching out to them. And we can be bearing fruit as we grow and cultivate ourselves and everything. And Christ is an example, a great example for us to be able to follow in that stead. And I just thought that was a very interesting one. And then last one is Emmanuel. So this just kind of always caught my attention, not just because of how beautifully it rolls off the tongue, but it, it is an actual name on top of everything else. Um, so Master, Lord Omnipotent, those are like titles, but Emmanuel to me has always been like another name. 
So I did pull from the Enzyme, a 1975 article by Elder Henry D. Taylor, who was an assistant to the Council of the Twelve, and it was titled Emmanuel, God with us, where he wrote Isaiah and foretelling the birth of a savior foretold, therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Centuries later, Matthew, an apostle of the Christ, explained the meaning of the name Emmanuel when he recorded in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So this is still pulling from um, Taylor's article where he was talking about this character, this person, a missionary president, President Roberts. He used the slogan, Emmanuel, constantly within his discourses, correspondence, and so on. And to have God with us through his Holy Spirit should be the aim of every missionary, and it should likewise be the aim of every individual. To have the companionship of the Holy Spirit requires a person to keep his mind and his body clean, as the Holy Spirit is sensitive and will not dwell in an unclean tabernacle. I really like that that representation of it, that it, it means something to us to have God with us, that we're not alone, that we are constantly able to be in the presence of our Savior. And so I did think it was interesting as well that the name was referenced twice in the Book of Mormon and a few more times in the Bible, because the references in 2 Nephi 18.8, and he shall pass through Judah, he shall overflow and go over he shall reach even to the neck, and the stretching out of his wings shall fill the breadth of thy land, O Emmanuel. So I just think it's a beautiful meaning, and it's a reminder for us. And it's not only about who Christ is, but about the blessings that we can have within our lives. I like that. I thought that was cool. That is very cool. All right. So then I want to take us back to Easton's Enzyme article. She wrote, Being aware of the number of references to Christ, having an understanding of the meanings for each name, and knowing when his influence can be greatest upon the earth, can inspire reverential awe for our Savior. The witness of his divinity, however, must come personally to each of us. We cannot rely exclusively on the testimonies of others. The conviction that Jesus is the Christ occurs only when God, the Eternal Father, manifests, it and manifests the truth of it by the power of the Holy Ghost, as referenced in Moroni 10.4. To the prayerful and the sincere, the Book of Mormon bears a powerful testimony that Jesus is the Christ, the eternal God. Uh, Easton's article is also like very enlightening with other really cool information. Um, so she gathered a lot of data that she included. There's two tables that you can see in the article. One table showcases the average number of references to Christ's name per verse of the Book of Mormon. For example, the average number of verses per mention of Christ's name is 1303 in 1 Nephi alone. Oh, wow. That's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> and so you <laughs> you can see it through like throughout the whole thing. So actually, like, yeah, when she was doing this in the Book of Mormon, she basically said that there's only like a couple pages in the overall Book of Mormon where it does not have some kind of reference to Jesus Christ. And then her second table, it showcases names for Jesus Christ as found in the Book of Mormon. And so, like she said, she notated a hundred of them, and she marked down how often they were found with a related scripture to explore its usage. So, for example, Master is mentioned seven times total in the Book of Mormon. Oh. So, it was a very fascinating article to read overall with the information that she had gathered and everything she had to share. 
And so that kind of just had like a fun little twist on what kind of information is really within the Book of Mormon. She put it into more tangible data. Yeah. I know that there have been apostles that have challenged us to read the Book of Mormon and just highlight the names of Christ or the references to Christ in it. And I started it on my mission, but after like... I think it was really after I read First Nephi, I was like, there's no point in me highlighting this because it's literally every single verse is every single referencing one. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I don't want to highlight the entire Book of Mormon. It it was a marketing ploy. Just stop. Once you highlight everything, you're like, oh, clearly I need a new book. And then they, they'd be able to sell more. Yeah. That's It was just so interesting. And then I was reading some more information and someone called Jesus Christ the main character of the Book of Mormon (laughs) because the name gets referenced so often. And I thought that was funny. Well, he is the main character. I mean, yeah. yeah. (laughs) So that kind of brings us into the, like, this nice little idea of the themes of the names of Christ. Like, the more that we read through these names and the more that we read the scriptures and all of these references to Jesus Christ, with the more we can see how they begin to fall into different themes or types regarding Christ's responsibilities, his existence, or his capabilities. And so, like, here's just a couple of ones that we've noted, which are, one, a guide who knows the way or our shepherd, two, an infinite figure such as the great I am, which means that he is more than human, more than mortal. There's just a higher power there. Um, Three, a hero like a savior or redeemer. Um, And then the last one that we wanted to note was like family, like our brother, holy child, begotten son, those sort of things. Yeah, I I just want to like make sure like I notated this because it was very interesting because we do have so many names and they all mean very different things and important things, but you can kind of see how they kind of fall into certain categories or themes and those to me seem to be like some of the most prominent um the most prominent things that the message of of Jesus Christ is trying to get across. And then we want to kind of like move on and just share some more additional information. Uh, Just a lot of our notes that we were gathering. It might sound a little sporadic, but we had a lot of fun like doing some research on this. So we want to share everything we could. It's kind of like fun facts about the names of Jesus for this section. That works, yes. Um, Yeah, so from the church study manual for the Book of Mormon, it says that in its more than 6,000 verses, the Book of Mormon refers to Jesus Christ almost 4,000 times, and by at least 100 different names, Jehovah, Emmanuel, Holy Messiah, Lamb of God, Redeemer of Israel, and so on, 4,000 times. From the 1992 April Ensign, there's an article titled Research and Perspectives, a Book of Mormon Update, that dives into a few details of what is really being researched and better learned within the church. One section was prepared by Charles D. Tate, an English professor at BYU at the time, who noted that, quote, Lee Crandall and Susan Easton Black did studies on the frequency of all references to deity in both the Book of Mormon and the New Testament. They found that even with 1,349 fewer verses than the New Testament, the Book of Mormon makes 108 more references to the Lord because Jehovah was actually the pre-mortal Christ, and because the Savior directs the affairs of the world, most of the references to deity in the Book of Mormon refer to Jesus Christ, end quote. That's wild. Right? So fascinating. I mean, I know we cover, like, good basic material most of the time in church, but sometimes it's just really fun to see what 
people are really researching and finding within our histories. Like it's so fascinating. I love it. It's also fascinating to think about that too, because so we know that the New Testament technically takes place like just before Christ was born and then the life of Christ and then post Christ's death. And the Book of Mormon greatly takes place before the birth of Christ, like 600 years before the birth of Christ. And they're still referring to him as Jesus Christ. Like they don't refer to him as Jehovah. They refer to him as Jesus Christ or the son of God who will, yeah, who has yet to be born. And so I just think it's interesting to make that distinction too, that even in the Book of Mormon, they're only referring to him as Jesus Christ for the most part. So fascinating. Okay. Fun fact, um, referenced by President Nelson from a 1992 BYU speech. He noted that under the heading Jesus Christ, the topical guide in the King James Version of the LDS edition of the Holy Bible, it has 18 pages filled with references listed under 57 subheadings. So if you do not feel that you've gotten enough out of our episode today, you should go there and be like, oh, here's everything they didn't include because that would have taken forever. Well, it's true too, because even when I was doing the research on the different names, like I would type the name into the like scripture search guide yeah. on the church website and it would be like, do you mean Jesus Christ, dash, <laughs> and then this? And I'm like, I mean, yes, I guess. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> Link me to the main jesus christ section in the topical guide so yeah it's Goodness. wild all right and then the next one is in april 1984's general conference elder g homer durham shared quote the oxford english dictionary on historical principles tells us that the word jesus came into the english language from middle english adapted from the latin jesus which in turn was adapted from greek jesus this in turn was adapted from the Hebrew or Ar Aramaic word Yeshua or Yehoshua. The earlier root was Joshua. This dictionary goes on to explain that the word Joshua derived from the Yah of Yahweh means that Jehovah is salvation. Thus, the word Jesus has a parallel meaning with Savior. Dr. David Flusser of the Hebrew University of Jerusalem puts it simply, Jesus is the common Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. The word Christ also comes to the English-speaking world from Middle English, derived from the Latin Christus, in turn from the Greek Christos, which means the anointed, a noun made from the past participle of the Greek verb to anoint, end quote. Very cool. Um, okay, so when I saw that, that got me to thinking and it reminded me of how some people get super offended with like people removing the term Christ from Christmas and everything. You know how some Christians get. Uh, but the thing is, Christians literally used to use an X on purpose. They would exemplify his name in secret when they were being persecuted in their early years. Not like in the 19th century, I mean like in what 200 AD kind of situation. It wasn't meant to like cross it out and take Christ out. It was to say, hey, I am a Christian. I am this, but like not telling anyone kind of thing. Like that, that's how it originally got like used and everything. So I don't know. I was just thinking about it because it's silly how people have like kind of changed that or like, like they get super offended now. Um, I know meanings change and everything, but they, but the original use of using an X in place of Christ for any purpose, like it was originally meant to be a respectful just i'm trying to stay alive 
um, situation. So you can see a lot of X's in like early medieval art, that and like the symbol of the fish, which is a, another subtle clue. Also, I just found out that the word, the Greek translation of Jesus also means healer. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. I like that. I don't feel like you hear that definition a lot um, or that name attributed to him that often. All right. So, yeah, so this was our exploration of the names of Jesus Christ. We know we hardly touched any of them, but we hope that you guys at least had some fun and learned something. Um, If not, go do your own research and find your favorite name or something. And we wanted to wrap up this episode by sharing one quote from that same BYU speech by President Nelson from 1992, where he says, quote, his names are powerful, but because we hear them regularly, we often reduce their individual meanings down, making the variety of titles synonymous with Christ himself. When we stop and contemplate the different roles that these titles express, we can see how Christ meets our needs in many different ways. And by emulating these assortment of roles, we can better meet the needs of those around us and light the world in the way Christ did, end quote. Even though... We use the other names of Christ more frequently and out of reverence for the name Christ itself. We need to remember that those other names are just as powerful, spiritual, and important as the name Jesus Christ. By looking closer at these other names of Christ, we can come to better know the Savior, understand and apply his atonement to our lives, and find ways to better incorporate him into our lives and to develop that relationship with our Savior that we need to be developing. So hopefully this did help you to learn a little bit more about the Savior, um, gave you an opportunity to ponder the different names of Christ and their meanings and which ones are particularly poignant to you. And yeah, take some time to go research some more. I have nothing more to add to that because that was very well said. (laughs) The names of Jesus Christ are awesome. Keep them in mind as you do your scripture study, as you attend church, or do anything related to Jesus Christ. There is so much that we can learn in the truth of these words, of these names and these titles. Um, And it can definitely bring us peace and help us to learn and to draw us closer to Jesus Christ, which is kind of the goal here. Yeah. We hope you enjoyed this. Yeah, and then next week we'll be at you with our general conference review. Yes. So stay tuned for next week. Cheers. Bye. Bye.